launched. We're still in the launched series. Today, we're going to be in Acts 14. As we think about the title of this particular sermon, last week was To the Moon, Part 1. And we looked at To the Moon. We were thinking in terms of the U.S. were the first ones to make it to the moon. The U.S. won the space race. One thing we didn't talk much about was this. The fact that these astronauts faced so much danger to their lives. They risked their very lives to go to the moon. And as we tie this to the sermon, to this section that we've been in, Acts 13 and 14, which is Paul's first missionary trip, we have to think in terms of how much he and Barnabas and those that went with them risked their lives. Let's think about where all they've been. They started in Antioch, Antioch in the province of Syria on the far right of the screen there. They started in Antioch, they, which is their home church. The church was fasting and praying. There were a lot of really good people there in the church that they could have sent on this journey, but the Holy Spirit set aside Paul and Barnabas. And then they left from Antioch, and they went to Seleucia. And from there, they went to the island of Cyprus. And on the island of Cyprus, they went through all the different cities in Cyprus until uh, sharing the gospel in synagogues. What a great place to do it, because in the, in the synagogues, in the Jewish synagogues, you have Jews who know the word of God very well, and you have God-fearing Gentiles who also know the word of God very well. They went through all the island of Cyprus, and then they came into Perga, the city that we see in modern-day Turkey. And at that point, John Mark, who had come with them, left. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. As I told you before, there were a lot of cities named Antioch. And it was named after the Seleucid Empire that had dominated that area before, and many of the Antiochuses. Is that a word, Antiochuses, or is it Antiochusai? No, it's, uh, it's Latin. What an Antioch? No. We won't worry about that. All right, but in Pisidian Antioch, they shared the gospel in Iconium. They were driven out through persecution, and they had to go to Iconium. So in the face of persecution, they went on to the next city. They shook the dust off their feet, as Jesus' disciples had done before. And this is where we're at. We're in Iconium. Let's take a look at what happens in Iconium. We'll read verses 1 through 7. In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together. Still the same strategy. And spoke in such a way that a large number of people believed, both of Jews and Greeks. Successful strategy of going to these synagogues where there's the Jews and the Greeks who can come to believe. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brothers. Who? Who did that? Unbelieving Jews stirred up in the minds of the Gentiles, embittered, that is to make them bitter. And so we see that they're having very successful ministry, but this is the same thing that's happened already in the other cities, and this is the same thing that continues to happen. Let's look at verse 3. Therefore, they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord. So they didn't leave right away in the face of this persecution. They stayed and they talked boldly with reliance upon the Lord because he is our strength. Amen? 
who was testifying to the word of his grace, God was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be performed by their hands. Now, Jesus in his ministry performed signs and wonders, and Jesus said, hey, these signs and wonders testify that I have come from God. And here we see Paul and Barnabas doing signs and wonders. People seeing signs and wonders should move them to belief, but in Jesus' day, it only moves some to belief and others to jealousy, which is the same thing that Paul and Barnabas are facing. Verse 4, But the people of the city were divided, and some sided with the Jews, while others with the apostles. And here this apostles, as I, I preached previously this year, uh, or last year, I preached on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of those gifts is apostleship. Not the office of apostle, but apostleship. And, and apostle means apostolos, which is the Greek word, a sent one, an ambassador, a missionary. And so others sided with the missionaries, the apostles, verse 5. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to treat them abusively and to stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Lyconia, Lystra, and Derbe, and the surrounding region. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now, the fascinating thing about this region is if you look at a Roman provincial map of this region, you will notice that a lot of this action is taking place in Galatia, the province of Galatia. And so when you read the book of Galatians, this is the backdrop of that. This should really get you into context when you're reading the book of Galatians to get you to understand that. And, and it's also in Lystra and, and Derby, but in Lystra is where they're going to find Timothy, not on this missionary journey, but on the next. So this is also somewhat Timothy's first introduction to Paul and, well, and Barnabas as well. All right, so let's think in terms of what applications can you get from this section? I've told you before, there are many applications that you can get from these sections. And as I'm standing here as a guest teacher, I have the right to do as I please. And something has come to my attention. We have not prayed. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this is your word. And Lord, we submit ourselves to your word. And so, Lord, if you have applications for these people and myself that are apart from these things, Lord, then let them come to our minds so that we may do the things that you've called us to do. For your word is not just here for the hearing, but also for the doing. Please bless this time. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I could change on the fly. I don't mind. All right. Sometimes it is the right time to stay and fight for the gospel. Other times, as I said last week, it was time to shake the dust off your feet and go. And I suspect that it had very much to do with how much time they wanted to spend establishing these disciples and getting to know these disciples because Paul and Barnabas are planting churches here. Speak boldly at such times and rely on the Lord. And rely on the Lord also to tell you, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. But the Lord will let you know. And it is okay to flee from those that are seeking to kill you for the testimony of the gospel. If you can flee, flee so that you can continue to do the work of the ministry. 
If you get caught and you are to die, so be it. Then you are caught and you are to die. This is the way the earliest church had to deal with persecution. I only bring it up because perhaps persecution will be heading to America. Even in the face, oh, here's a big one. Even in the face of signs and wonders, some people will not believe. Even if Jesus were to come and appear to somebody and, and tell them and show them he is the Messiah, they will still not believe some. These guys were doing signs and wonders. You would think that those signs and wonders would, would say, hey, you know what? These guys, what these guys are saying is accompanied by the things of God. Maybe we should listen to them, but we see that it got to such a point that they wanted to kill these men. Let's carry on. The next section's a big one. I need a sip of water for it. Verse 8. In Lystra. And I should say that this is the region of Laconia. And the cool thing about Laconia is they have their own language as well as Greek. Everybody spoke Koine Greek. And so Lystra and Derbe are also in this region of Lyconia. In Lystra, a man was sitting whose feet were incapacitated. He had been disabled from his mother's womb and had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke. Paul looked at him intently and saw that he had faith to be made well. And he said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet! And the man leaped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have become like men and have come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, since he, Paul, was the chief speaker. Hermes is also the chief speaker for Zeus. Moreover, the priests of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. Can you imagine it? They're these two men who are there to share the gospel. Look at the difference between going to a prepared crowd versus going to a completely pagan crowd who's not really getting the full context here. But Paul's, they're really going to struggle to get the context across. But when the apostles, uh, verse 14, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard about it, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you. Same nature in terms of physicality. Same nature in, ter in terms of we all came from one man and woman. Same brotherhood here. We're just like you, preaching the gospel to you, the good news, to turn away, turn away from these useless things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them. In past generations, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. And even by saying these things, only with difficulty did they restrain the crowds from offering sacrifices to them. But Jews, so get this, this picture. You've got all these pagans. They're, they're trying to grapple with what they're saying. And, and you have Paul and Barnabas, please do not sacrifice to us. We are not the gods. And then Jews, verse 19, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. 
And I keep saying this word Jews, and, and sometimes it hurts me to say it because it, it almost makes me think I'm being anti-Semitic. I am not. Paul is a Jew. Barnabas is a Jew. These are Jews. These are the Jews that reject the Messiah that I'm talking about, not the Jews in general, but the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium like a snowball. Let's look again at that map just so that you can see. Pisidian Antioch and Iconium, they've been talking to each other, communicating with one another. How are we going to deal with this Paul? He's been in your town too, huh? We better send people down to Lystra and Derby and make sure that we put an end to this sort of thing. Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they won the crowds over. And, and it should be, in your minds, you need to understand, these are local people coming. Oh, we come from up the road. We heard, we had Paul come through here. We chased him out of town. You understand that situation? And that the apostles, these are the apostles of God. They stoned Paul. Can you imagine standing there getting a bunch of rocks thrown at you? because you're sharing good news that Jesus died for your sins and that you can't pay for this, this problem you have between you and God cannot be paid for by your good works, but only by Christ who died for you. Oh, whoever said that needs to die. I mean, that sounds ridiculous to me. But this is exactly what's happening here. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city thinking that he was dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city he got up and entered the city. Don't you think after getting stoned, you might maybe not go back into the city? Look at that boldness. He got up and entered the city. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. What a story. What can we get from that? What sort of applications are there for us? Misunderstandings are alive and well. When you're trying to talk to somebody, you, when you're thinking in terms of strategy, and you're going to witness to somebody who is a believer in, in uh, the Jewish faith or a believer, yeah, I think there's a God versus one who is, has nothing to do with it. As many missionaries have had to do, your strategy is going to be different. You need to understand, though, that misunderstandings are alive and well. I always love to talk about context and that you would read the Bible in context and that I would teach you the Bible in context. And it goes beyond that, as I've said before, and I've learned it being a husband of my wife and a father to my children. Misunderstandings happen, and we have to take one another in context, right? And we do, and it's kind of destroyed our fighting habits because now it's, well, let me explain my context. You, you get all mad, and you're like, well, I think you did this, and I think you did, but let me explain my context. Like, well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> the kids do it too. They, they pull that on me. And sometimes their context is good, sometimes their context is bad, and same for me. But misunderstandings will happen, and taking people out of context will happen. Make sure that people understand the context of what you're saying. And it may take time, it may take patience. Look how patient Paul and Barnabas were for people that wanted to sacrifice to them. It's crazy. And do not accept misplaced, unholy praise. A heretic will do so. They will go into a place, and if someone declares them to be a god, or whatever it may be, they will accept praises for themselves. But Paul and Barnabas deflect 
The praise goes to God and God alone. Do not forget that God is the God of nature and has revealed himself in nature. That's one of the other things he said here. He said, God didn't leave you without a witness. He gave you rain. He gave you crops. He took care of you. God has revealed himself in nature. Don't be afraid to look at that. I'm always uh, amazed. I, I took a class from an archaeologist, archaeologist David Roll, an Egyptologist, and he totally believes all of the miracles that happened in the Exodus. And he explains them all. And he says they are natural things that happened. And the students raised, and he's, the, he's an agnostic, please understand. And the students raised uh, concern because, well, God did it. And he said, well, is not God also the God of nature? When you have a natural explanation, it is God as well. And so that's one of the points that they're saying here. And so for yourself, don't be fooled by that sort of thing. You need disciples around you to encourage you when you have been beaten and left for dead, figuratively, uh, and well, and literally too, if it happens to you. You need the disciples to be around you. I've said before, Peter said the devil goes around like a roaring lion, and when you watch these nature videos, who's lagging behind and not in the herd is the one who gets taken down. Stay with the disciples. That sets us up to the next section. And after, uh, verse 21, and after they had preached the gospel to that city, uh, Derby that is, and had made a good number of disciples. They made a good number of disciples. These disciples, it's Mathetes is the Greek word. It's, it's a learner. It's, it's one who is a pupil who's following a mentor. And we get from Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus commanded to go and make disciples of all nations, not just converts. So they are spending a, a time to make a good number of disciples. They returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch. All the places where they faced danger, they returned to these places. Why would they do that? Uh, think in terms of the map. Look, uh, if you keep going further east from Derby, you will make it to Antioch in Syria, which is where your home church is. They don't take the short route. They take the spiritual route. They go back through. Why would they do that? So, it, that, as it says in 21, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. Look at the things they're doing, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. Think about what they are leaving behind. Paul and Barnabas are leaving behind a bunch of people in these churches that have been newly started. He's leaving them behind to deal with the very people that wanted to stone Paul and Barnabas. Very people who wanted to get rid of them. Paul and Barnabas are going to go, they're going to go back to Antioch. Spoiler. <laughs> Maybe you didn't think they were going to make it. 
I mean, that would be a good thing to think after all the things you've heard. How are they going to make it? They've gone back through this insanity. Verse 23. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they entrusted them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They appointed elders. Who is they? Paul and Barnabas. Look, it's one thing to go and share the gospel and to get people to be converted, and to, it's a different thing to have them in the church and analyze them for leadership, analyze them for level of maturity, establishing them. It was worth it to the astronauts to risk their lives to go to the moon. It was worth it to Paul and Barnabas to risk their lives to establish these churches because they were in danger of life and limb. And what did they do? They appointed elders. They established, the, they strengthened the disciples and appointed elders. Remember, this is a good, rich stock of Bible-believing people that they're dealing with. And out of that stock of people that have been raised in the synagogues that know God's word and now understand Christ and also have the words of the apostles with them, now these people are ready. They're a very strong stock of people, and Paul knows how to sort them out. Let's, let's talk a little bit about elders and the importance of establishing the disciples and the elders. Because if you just have a church of new converts who know, don't know the word, you're headed for some serious trouble. So you need a group in a church of believers, of disciples that are mature and are being fed, the flock being fed from the elders. Paul has been in this situation now. This is his first time to be in this situation, but he will be in it again in another missionary journey. And Titus, if you want to, we're going to be in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Titus is one that Paul left on the island of Crete. Crete is not up there. It's okay, though. It's further west. It's also Mediterranean. He's on the island of Crete. Clearly, he went through Crete. This is probably his fourth missionary journey that Acts does not cover. Clearly, he went through Crete with Titus, and he left Titus on Crete. And here's, here's what he said, starting in verse 5. For this reason, I left you in Crete, you, Titus. And it's really fun. In the Greek, his, his name, well, in, in the way that it's written is, is Tito. This is why I left you on Crete, Tito. That, <laughs> that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders. That's the, the Greek word presbuteros, elders, in every city as I directed you. Appoint elders in every city. It has to, they have to be there. But who are they? Namely, if any man is above reproach, above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. For the overseer, this is the word episkopos, and, and we've learned, and we'll, learn, we'll see it in Acts 20, Paul uses these terms interchangeably, elder and overseer. For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, 
loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be able to, one, exhort in sound doctrine and two, refute those who contradict. Paul is leaving these churches to deal with ravenous wolves. And you have to have these men with a very high standard and a great understanding of sound teaching so that they can teach the flock the sound teaching and refute those outside the flock who are trying to teach that which is unsound. Now, 1 Timothy 3 is parallel to this. We won't go there, but I'll just explain to you. It adds a few things. An elder cannot be a new convert. That's neophutas in the Greek, or where we get the word neophyte. Neophutas is new growth. Can't be a new believer. Even though a new believer may be filled with zeal, they're not a mature disciple yet. And they must be able to teach. And Barnabas coming to this. Paul is on his way of the church in Ephesus, and he tells them this, be on guard, Acts 20, verse 28, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. The flock. Flock is poimane, and the word shepherd is poimne, so there's a play on words. Shepherd the flock. You have to pastor the pasture, and it is where we get the word pastor from also. Elders are overseers, and they pastor the pasture. They shepherd the flock. Paul is, this, this is such a difficult thing. Paul and Barnabas are leaving these people are going to be left to ravenous wolves. It's so important for them. And in 1 Timothy 5, Paul does to Timothy. The elders who double honor, the word there is time, it's the Greek understanding of material compensation. The elders who rule well are, are worthy. Those who work hard at preaching and teaching, who do you think is going to teach these people after Paul and Barnabas leaves? For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy. Preach and not all of them do. They're all able to, but not all of them do. They all have their strengths and weaknesses. And those that are weak in one area, somebody's strong in that area. And when they work together, they are a powerful, powerful sound doctrine to the church and refute unsound doctrine. Be fond of sordid gain. Well, you, you're not paying me. Peace the flock. And then Hebrews 13, 17, last place we're going. For they keep watch over your souls. 
joy and not with grief. These churches, they need to submit to them. The maturing disciples are not that have gone through all of the understanding that no sound doctrine can teach it or talk to others about it. And those who can refute, those are the ones that are ready. But if you are not ready, you need to listen and submit to the elders. Paul and Barnabas have fully established these churches. They've got maturing disciples. They've got elders in place. Any missionary that goes out there to do work on foreign soil, they must make sure that these things are in place or, or somebody's in place, just like Paul did with Titus, make sure that somebody's in place to make sure that these things are taken care of because these are the most important things for any church, including churches of today. But let's take a look at some applications. It's not enough to make converts. We have to make disciples. And discipleship in this passage, strengthen their souls. That's grow them. Continue in the faith. Do what you have been taught. And trouble is coming. Recalibrate. Through much tribulation we enter the kingdom of God. It's not going to be easy, but if you're beaten, left for dead, and you're surrounded by the disciples, it'll be a lot easier. Pray for the elders. And think about that in terms of here at CBC. Pray for our elders. We're in the midst of trying to figure things out. They have a very difficult job, and they need your prayers. They need your support. It said in Hebrews, they have to give an account. And, and you don't want it to be a, a terrible thing for them to do this work for the Lord and a drag on them. That's too convicting. Let's go to the next section. All right, verse 24. They passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been entrusted to the grace of God for the work that had been accomplished. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. They're back in their home church to celebrate all that the Lord has done in this first missionary journey. What an amazing journey. What an amazing, all the places they've been, all the people they've talked to, all the danger they've seen, the miracles, Paul's near-death experience, all the things that they left behind. They're in good, the churches they left behind are in good hands, and Paul is the one that writes all about these things with elders and tons and tons on discipleship. It's so important that he does not leave them empty-handed. But what are some of the applications we get from this section? Here's an observation. There are those that are missionaries and those that stay. I've heard people say before, well, I guess I'm supposed to be a missionary, but I don't, wanna, I don't have any place I want to go. I'd say that's a really good sign. You're probably not a missionary because the missionaries I have known, like the Phillipses, we want to go to Thailand. Well, I don't want to go to Thailand. They want to go to Thailand. God put that in them, and they are in Thailand. Others have been to Japan and other places. Ireland, the land of me forebears. 
My mom's an O'Reilly. Oh, really? Yes. So some stay, but some go. This is the beauty. This is diversity, diversity of gifts, so that those that go, that need to go, go. But here's the thing. Support missionaries as God leads you because they need your help. They need your prayer. They may need your financial support. They may need gifts, maybe something from home that helps them be encouraged on the field. And listen to the report from the missionaries when they come back or when they send you a letter. Read the letter. Be a missionary where you are planted. Look, there's Cyprus. Cyprus is big. Why don't we have a mayor? I asked somebody the other day. Different story. All right. And here's another one. Spend a long time with the disciples. Spend a long time with the disciples. Spend a long time with one another. This is our strength. This is where we find our strength. This is where we ourselves also recalibrate. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we, I do ask that prayer. If there's things you've put on people's hearts to do, that they would do them, Lord. For this is your word. And I thank you that you established these churches and protected them. And that you sent such great men to them. And that they were, they were not afraid of death. So Lord, be with us all. You've called us all to do different things. Some of us go, some of us stay, and there's no shame in either. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given us that. Lord, be with us this week, and Lord, be with us as we all try to praise your name with this song. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.